All right, this is the second part of Brad Forkner um, here on the Way to Farm podcast with Josh Bretzer and Ben Amrine. Oh, Brad, guys, if you didn't listen to the last podcast, we went over humic acid and a little bit of fulvic acid. It's what it is, where it comes from, where you should get it from, and where you should not get it from. Um, if you're interested in getting the good stuff, let us know. Uh, we can get you what you need. So with that, I'd see. And then we talked about applications in soil and row crop. But this podcast, we're going to go over livestock and we're going to go over wildlife. I've got some deer nerds. They're going to love this. Um, Ben's got some dairy guys. You're going to love this. I've got some beef, some some grass stalker cattle. Um, buddies are going to love this. So, Brad, again, thank you for being here. Please teach us. So one of the things that I really like about livestock is they're a lot like people. Gut biomes keep them healthy, keep the nutrition up. If you keep them warm, fed, and plenty of fresh water, you'll be somewhat successful. Not much different than raising a little kid, except you don't change diapers. You haul out larger amounts. So when I started looking at uh, livestock nutrition, and I finally decided that uh, I would pair up with a veterinarian who'd actually run a feed mill, who actually would uh, look at animals, not from the typical veterinary standpoint, but if we had something that he needed to control, he would take it home, he'd grow it out in the basement, he'd figure out what it was, he'd figure out how to take it down, then he'd go do it. So a lot of these guys, you know, are all about selling you a shot or whatever. Doc is about keeping you healthy on the front end. So whether we're talking about uh, not putting excess iron in the feed, there's enough iron in your uh, calcium carbonate to cover all the iron needs that are typically set up by the people who haven't upgraded them in 50 years. Kind of like we said last podcast on the soil test. You know, we're doing a much better job of figuring out what's in there. But if that doesn't fit the parameters, uh, then you lose your validation or your accreditation. So that's why a lot of these guys keep kicking iron in there that they don't need. The, the reference was that when my veterinarian bled 60 sows, put them on two different rations, one he built, one the other guy's built for, six, uh, for 45 days, rebled the sows. His had dropped 50% on the oxidative stress and the hemoglobin count had gone up. And so he asked the other guys if the iron, my calcium carbonate was not soluble, then how did I accomplish this? And they didn't know what to tell him. So like a lot of people our age, um, we tend to get a little bit set in our ways. We tend to get a little bit, if you don't like what we do, that's okay. Go find somebody else that believes what you do and we'll only work with nice people. So that's the premise of this. You don't have to believe anything I say today. You can go right back to doing what you're doing and you'll get the same results you always have. We're just trying to save you money and make you money. Save so you if you're, not, in, if you're not interested, that's fine. And, and you know what the difference is between saving money and making money? What's that? You don't pay income tax on the money you save. So Amen. you just made an extra 30% Amen. on all the money you saved, right? Yeah. 
All right. That's so a now, good starting point. That's a good starting point. Yeah. Let's build and, and, from and that. It, it's, it's something that not everybody understands. And it's a very simple concept. So let's go back and talk nutrition. When uh, I got interested in, in working with the deer, and uh, we're going to go right back to that humic story because there's places where it doesn't rain enough. They're in a concentrated enough lot that we're not growing grass paddocks. We've got a lot of sand and we got a lot of manure. So we got to deal with it. And we also want to be cognizant all the time about getting the uh, chronic wasting under control and hopefully eventually eliminated. And for those of you who don't know uh, exactly what the chronic wasting is, it's basically bent protein prions. And we need to figure out how to get those things straightened out. And then it sure seems like it's nutritional, like most of the diseases we have. We keep, you know, we, we, we treat the symptoms. We don't go back and cure the cause. So when I started working with some of the deer guys down there in Texas, uh, one of the things we did was we used the humic acid underneath the breeding does so that we could get rid of the manure, uh, get rid of some of the pathogen load. We may go back and get some pecan fiber in there, you know, because I'm going to hit that one more time. No, hit it. You haven't hit it on the podcast yet. Oh, I didn't hit it on no. the podcast. When you take pulverized pecan shells, the antioxidant value is 10 times what it is on an aronia berry, a blueberry, pomegranates, and these are things that have always been uh, touted to us. And so each 1% of pecan fiber will take down 9% of the salmonella, the listeria, the E. coli, and the coliform that are out there as part of your pathogen load. And be farm friendly to go right back out to your field. Not the husk, the nut. We've always known that eating pecans and walnuts and hickory nuts and those kind of things was good for us. Well, the best thing you can do with the shell is the same thing. Mm. Salmonella recalls on dog food. The answer was to kick some of the uh, pulverized pecan shells back in there. Salmonella recalls, you haven't heard about them a long time, have you? Mm -mm. Thanks to Dr. John Nizio, Valdosta, Georgia. I'll give him a plug. My man. We appreciate you, dude. Doubt you listening, but if you are, thanks. So what we do then is we also, under the term reed sedge peat, we uh, include that in the ruminant diets at uh, 15 pounds a ton or one ounce per 250 pounds of body weight. Or if we're doing bottle calves, we'll run... Uh, about 12 drops morning and night of a very good liquid uh, reed sedge peat. And uh, when we have done that, one of the guys we worked with with 32,000 uh, bottle calves and hutches, we knocked his electrolyte usage by 500 bottles a week. We now have that going in uh, also in those calf pellets that we feed them on next to continue that process. And for those of you who uh, have compromised immune systems, uh, one of the things that you're going to find out from the reed sedge peat is it will heal the gut, take those toxins, run them out the back end, build the hemoglobins, keep them better hydrated, be a natural chelator to make the micronutrients and the things uh, that we eat, especially the lignans, go out in smaller pieces, so higher digestibility inside the animal. Uh, keep them healthy. Cut your veterinary bill. Too many times uh, a guy will get the calves back really healthy and they'll drop it out of the feed. 
Next thing you know, the problem shows back up. It's always cheaper to keep something healthy than it is to pay a veterinary bill. But until they see that money going out the pocket, and uh, one of the things I always try and, and stress to them is there's not much profit in a dead deer. There's not much profit in a dead cow or a dead chicken, right? Keep them healthy. To try and keep this chronic wasting down, another piece of it seems to be getting rid of some of the aluminums, those kinds of things that are out there in the soil, keeping the copper levels up high enough without killing biology. I'll put a plug in for Zenpro. They now have a pharmaceutical-grade copper that can cross the blood-brain barrier. That seems to be a piece of the answer, too. So I've been fortunate enough to uh, communicate with uh, formulate with, consult with some of the feed companies that are in the deer business. And we're trying to keep the micronutrients balanced, keep them up high enough, check the grain over and make sure that we are not bringing in any of the, uh, vomitoxins, aflatoxins, mycotoxins, you know, keep that out of the feed. Uh, we can only toxin bind so much stuff, you know, and then the rest of it uh, probably shouldn't even have gone to the ethanol plant, but that's where it ends up. And guess what? Somebody's going to feed those DDGs out of some pretty poor quality uh, corn, grain, sorghum, whatever it is going through those plants. Don't be that guy. You can't starve a profit out of anything. Keep them healthy. When we put this material into, uh, let's say, a milk cow, we're going to have a lower somatic count. We're going to have higher butter fat. We're going to have higher milk protein. We put this in a beef cow. You're going to see less of it coming out the back end. One of the little side discussions we had was, why don't people use a little bit of diatomaceous earth so it becomes an internal parasite control on the backside? It'll cut up the maggots, keep the flies down. You know, you talk about putting a little garlic in uh, some of the mineral mixes, whether it's for the deers, whether it's for the cows. We do, I'm going to mention this big shot program just for a minute because we're getting ready to get back into tick and fly season, especially for some of those guys down there raising the uh, exotic deers. They were telling me they were spraying four times a day to keep the ticks and the flies off. They were using electrostatic sprayers. They were using uh, foggers. And uh, I said, well, you know, we're trying to work with uh, a guy that has encapsulated in protein capsules to get away from the microplastics. And these will release over a two to three week period. And after we get a base of it out there, uh, we'll see people like Terminex now using that for the termite control. Uh, he's selling thousands and thousands of gallon in Florida right now to take the mosquito population down. We're using it to take care of the thrips and in the uh, aphids and the spider mites. You can put it on your pants to keep the chiggers out of them. If you're going to go work cows, the ticks won't crawl up on you if you've got this on your pants. So it's livestock friendly, eight ounces per 50 gallon. Throw it out there on your cows. These boys here can furnish it to you. How are they applying it? You can Spraying either spray it? it right on them or put them in the back rub. Gotcha. If you got a good back rub scratcher and they want to go out there because it's an oil, it's going to stay in there longer. If you want to stretch it out, instead of using all water to uh, thin it down, use a little neem oil. Something on that order. Oh. The oils make it last longer. 
long as we got something out there about every two and a half, three weeks, we're doing an excellent control of keeping the flies and the ticks out. Who wants Lyme disease? My wife has Lyme's disease. Uh, had. Well, had. it's been suppressed. We'll say that. You are very fortunate. Yeah. So we're trying to keep things healthy. Let's, let's talk a little bit more about these deer. Uh, one of the things we're doing with the Humix and, and some of the other things that we're playing with is the guys that I work with in Texas have the high fence hunting. They have the low fence hunting. And in Texas in particular, uh, I don't have to watch quite so close to the edge of whether or not they presume that we're baiting them, right? Because they put corn feeders out there. The deer can walk up and knock. So we're getting ready to set up a program where we're going to take six different pasture amendments toward the outside road fences. We're going to take cattle panels and take a steel post and drive in there so they don't get buttered around, put the nutrition down, watch the amount of uh, regrowth we have inside the fence compared to what's on the outside of the panel. So we can see this is what we actually grew because nobody grazed it. We can see how low it is on the outside. And uh, if we can get some of the deer to hop back over on our side of the fence, some of them bad boys would bring $2,500 when somebody comes in to shoot them in the head. Oh, at least. Yeah. Okay. Um, talk to me a little bit about nutrition in plant. Okay. So we go soil, plant, animal. Yes. How can we, how can we better efficient size? Made my, that's my 2023 word of the year. Um, that cycle. How can we get better nutrition into a plant to grow larger antlers, produce more milk in a dairy, more pounds in a cow. How do we help that cycle improve? There's a couple answers to that. If we're talking open range land, is a man going to spend enough money to get the ground in good shape? Probably not, right? right. In Kansas, we have CRP, right? Every once in a while, because of droughts or some other situation, we're turned loose to bail that. How much nutrition's in that? Well, by the time it's Answer turned not loose, very much. by the time it's turned loose, it's all dead. So what if we said that that is nothing more than a lignin carrier? A what? A lignin carrier. Think about your seed people. They have a genetic platform. They have a trait platform. They have a seed treatment platform, right? And they're using the genetics as a carrier for the traits. Let's consider something of low quality hay as nothing more than a lignin or a plant-based carrier for fertility. Okay, I'm with so, you now. So none of it's been out there. We're getting ready to bail this up. Why don't we take something like a high-end starter and put that on the windrow? My efficiency is 100% because none of it's wasted. If we will take time to roll that, let that go through the insole process, we have found that that feeds like it's been in there the entire growing season of the plants. So you want to take something non-nutritious and turn it into something pretty good. We're going to run a little bit of NPK. We're going to run a lot of micronutrients. 
Again, we're going to run some humix and fulvix in there. We're going to run some uh, kelp in there. We're going to run some yucca in there. We're going to run some kind of a sweetener in there for palatability and to feed the microbes. And we're going to introduce a little bit of biology and enzymes. What, what about in an area where we're getting plenty of rain? Say, say, uh, say it's a food plot for wildlife. Say it's uh, cover crops for animals, for, for grazing, things like that. How do, we, how do we make that transfer of nutrients more efficient? So there's four ways to get things, something inside of a plant that we've talked about just a little. Fulvics do that. Essential oils do that. Amino acids do that. And nanos will do that. So I'm going to put together again somewhat similar to what I'm going to put on that forage, somewhat similar to what I'm going to do as a starter fertilizer to get the corn plants up and running. It's going to be a balanced diet with enough material in there that uh, an animal would want to eat that. Sure. So it's just raising palatability based raising, off nutrition value. It's no different than putting dense nutrition in anything else we do. It's like seasoning on a food. If, if you eat enough, uh, if you have enough density of nutrition, maybe you only need six or eight ounces. Maybe you don't need 14. Maybe you don't need to go through all that roughage, mm. but there's enough nutrition in less that quote, of it. filler. That filler. Interesting. Interesting. That's awesome. So a lot of times if we'll go out there and there's no reason now with the way we have for seed treaters, not to take the biology and coat the seed with some nitrogen fixers. When your food plot goes in, then come back early and late with your high fertility to finish out the season. And you've already got them wanting to come your way and eat. Yeah. It's no yeah. different than the crops. I'm interested in this zombie hay. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we got. Zombie. That is all you have yeah. out there. Yeah. All they yeah. have is burned stalks. Yes. <laughs> and why can't we turn that into something usable? That's the American dream. Take a waste product, make it usable. You know, the slides I was running today at the meeting, I saw one guy watching where we were capturing the... Uh, Asian carp that fly out of the Illinois River. We finally had a couple of, I think they were dentists, who went in the Illinois River and started catching them in trammel nets. They're squeezing the omega oils out of them, drying the rest of the protein, putting it in dog food, and cleaning up the Illinois River. You start making noise, those suckers will knock you off of a, of a ski-doo. They'll fill your boat. The American dream is to take a waste product and turn it into something that's got value you're right i'm impressed i think i mentioned something about this once but i don't remember the whole story but that's it the zombie hay thing sweet that's <laughs> I, I that is our uh title of this episode zombie hay. zombie hay zombie hay and food plots sweet. so some of the guys that are doing um <clears throat> multi-mix cover crops in the summer and then turn the dairy cows on them on a rotational basis. Southwest Missouri down there in some of that ground that's pretty thin down uh, towards Springfield down there in the Ozarks. Milk production actually went up in the heat of the summer 
because of the diversity that we had out in those. They do the morning milk, put it in paster one. Do the evening milk, run them in paster two. Do the next morning milk, paster three. Do the next evening milk, paster four. Just this rotation. Rotated around. Same with mama cows and calves. Same, same, same scenario. Yeah. So it's getting away from synthetics going towards a more natural base. Yeah. It's your biology working for you. Lots of nutrition under most of this ground. Figuring out an answer, not treating a symptom. That's the idea. That's the idea. Go back and take care of the root cause. Right. <sighs> That's great. I'm nerding out right now. That's great. Um, okay. Treating, uh, we talked about this in the seminar today. Fulvic acid and humic acid in relation to the health of those animals. We didn't go, we went over, we haven't talked about that yet, have we? Today? Yeah, and about wildlife. <clears throat> wildlife or, or yeah. cattle. So let's go back and talk about humic and fulvic acids actually having some antiviral properties. Let's do it. Some oxen properties and those kinds of things. Let's go back again and talk about fulvic acid is what drives your chemotherapy. It takes the chemo through the cell wall into the nucleus or DNA of the cancer cell and then drops the chemo in there where, where it needs to be to do its best job. Those are the target kind of things that we're doing. Um, let's talk about everything healthy has bacillus in it, right? A lagoon has bacillus. Your stomach has bacillus. Root structures have bacillus. For the livestock boys, if you'll keep the amino acids in the bacillus counts higher in your livestock, we're doing studies now to say that we can increase up to 40% the motility of the sperm. For those of you guys trying to breed deer, for those of you guys trying to get your herd bulls into shape, it takes 45 days from the first time you introduce something new to go through that whole cycle before you turn that bull out or that buck out or, you know, your boar or whatever you're doing. But you can take biology and amino acids and those kinds of things, some of these specials that we're working with, getting the omegas back up there right, we're now starting to verify that that shows up in more conceptions from the first exposure. Big deal in cows, big deal in dairy cows. Really shorten up your, your, uh, your, your cab dropping time. time. Yeah. Instead of burning these cows out, you know, it takes two years to get a heifer back in there to where she's in production. Keep her for another year or two. Get her bread. Get more of them bread instead of sending them out. There's a lot of money goes into getting them things before you get the first calf out of them, before you get the first deer out of them, getting them bigger by the time deer season gets here. So what, uh, what, like talk to, to walk me through a practical application. You have a, you so you've got a hundred cows. Um, what's your, how are you going to treat the health of that herd in regards to humic fulvic acid? What are you going to, I mean, you going to put it feed or are you going to put it, I mean, probably on their hay. Yes, yes, yes. How? Yes. We're going to put dry on the pasture, if you will allow us to do that. We're going to put some reed dry sedge humic. peat 
in yeah. your mineral mix. And we're going to uh, tell you our big preference is don't have salt and mineral together. Salt is cheap. People put a lot of salt in mineral. You don't want them eating salt to get mineral. You don't want them eating mineral to get salt. Those should be separate. Don't put a bunch of molasses in your mineral to to exceed the, the uh, intake of it, right? Because minerals are not, not inexpensive anymore. We, uh, we have these people that uh, have batteries in their computers. They have batteries in their watches. They have batteries in their car. They are competing with me every day for the cobalt that I need in my crops. Hmm. Cobalt went from $8 a pound for a while. It was 19 Now it's back down the 15 16 range. Why would they want it in their batteries? I don't know. Because of the electric carrying capabilities. How do nerves snap? What, what causes that synapsis? Ergs, electrical attractions, transferences. That's how valence work, right? I'm sorry. You are starting to go way over my head, right. dude. We'll go back down here and say, we'll come down to my level. <laughs> let them, let them cows typically and deer, they will eat what they need. That's yes. what I'm telling you. Yes. Don't force them to eat something they don't need to get what they do need. Um, think about when you've got dairy cows that you let out on a pasture and they eat lush grass. It's full of water, right? What happens? Diarrhea. Yeah. What happens every time you have Green diarrhea? Sports. You're shooting your gut biome out the back end. Oh. Now that has to replenish. Most people do not think about that. Same with your little kid. Your little kid ends up with diarrhea. You're not just going back and rehydrating him. You need to go back and help them reestablish a healthy gut biome so that the um, immune system is no longer compromised. We touched on that with a couple of people today. Basically, what, what our body does is you have a sodium engine that hooks onto water in your small intestine, and you pull water through it, and you drop it off, and you pull water through it, and you drop it off. And after so many times, your engine dies. And so now we have water where we don't want water, and instead of... Uh, sending it out as a fluid, it ends up going out through the colon system, which is the definition of diarrhea. Whether it's us, whether it's cows, whether it's sheep, anything else. So what we do on our little kids is we give them Pedialyte or we give them Gatorade or Powerade because we're trying to get the electrolytes back in them. But what we're really doing is we're reattaching the sodium engine to start moving the water again. Hmm. So that's why we don't want to have sodium deficiencies. That's why you've got to have enough sodium in your body in the summer so that you don't have one of those heat strokes. You've got to keep enough water going in, but you've also got to keep it moving. Gotcha. 
See, this way you get a whole bunch of subjects covered with one question. Yeah. Holy smokes. So let's go back and talk about the zombie hay. Let's do it. Let's build um, Actually, here, hang on. Just let's see. Yes, let's talk about zombie hay. So one of the things we want to talk about zombie hay in particular is almost this whole Midwest and a lot of the rest of the country is short of selenium. When we have a drought or when we are short of moisture, very little, if any, of that selenium ever makes it inside of a plant. Very necessary for uh, the fulfillment of the pregnancies. If you have a livestock that is going to have a baby in the next five weeks, and at four weeks premature, they slide one out that's not alive, check your selenium levels. Do some posting. That's one of the first things that I always want to put in that zombie hay because we're short of it anyway. Another thing we're probably short of is uh, the zinc. We're probably short of copper. I know we're going to be short of uh, cobalt, moly, and nickel. That's fairly inexpensive. I can blow that in there for about 45 cents or a buck an acre, something like that. Doesn't take much. Uh, get the nutrition up and keep them healthy. Minerals help contribute to the better racks and uh, make sure that they uh, have enough energy to do the running, the mating. And uh, if we go out and we do our plot food, our nutrition right, you got a pretty good idea who to wait for. You don't have to take the uh, button buck when he comes through if you know you've got another guy like in your neighborhood pretty well. I'm not going to tell you that we're going to go out there and because and, we can't attract deer in Kansas. We can't do that in Missouri. We can't do that in Illinois. But we can encourage growth that they would prefer to something that has no food value to it. That's what we're trying to do here. Yeah. Cattle, dairy, other ruminants. We're going to go back and treat that pasture land a little bit more like crop ground, right? Because... Right now in the cattle business, I saw some guys that took some reclaimed coal ground, southwest Missouri, no-tilled into it in the fall, a cover crop mixture, made $287 an acre in the fall on weight gain, turned around, put a different mix on in the spring. Economical inputs, not a lot of fertility, get some organic matter back in that ground that you don't need to crop all the time, get it brought back to where we can do something more productive out of it. If we can take class three ground, build it up, get a crop off of it, 20% less in, uh, investment in that ground than we did the other stuff, there's a lot less competition if you want to go out there and be the entrepreneur to pick something up, turn it around. It's no different than taking those fish out of the river because you're going to fix a broken wagon and society's going to reward you. Yeah. You talking stover? Stove. Taking stovers off? Take If we take the stovers off, it's not just what is the value of the nutrition in the stover. It's, stover is the plant material, for those that don't know. 
the guys that didn't know that probably already turned off. But go ahead. <laughs> You'd be surprised. We've got some stubborn people that listen. But it's not just the value of the nutrition. It's in that stove. It's your organic matter. And as hard as it is to build organic matter, I'm not sure we can afford to sell off our organic matter. If I'm selling off silage, I better be getting some manure or something back there to help cover that. I better immediately get some cover crops going back out there. I'm not so interested in growing 10 foot tall rye grass. I want the roots. The roots are going to be the permanent organic matter. So every time it gets foot and a half tall, go out there and mow it. Let that stuff graze it. Yeah. One thing that we do do sometimes is if we'll go ahead and graze this down about three or four inches, go out and plant your next crop in there in the spring. If it starts raining, let the cover crop suck some of that excess moisture out there and then terminate it. I'm telling you, my head's about just melted. Oh my, Brad, anything else you want to add <laughs> to wildlife or cattle or I'd say uh, you just feed, just food for a four-legged thing. I don't really if care about chickens. If you got chickens. feral hogs, yeah? raise cotton. They'll right. destroy your grain sorghum, but they want the cotton. Crosbyton, Texas, about an hour outside of Lubbock. That's all they're raising in there because of the feral hogs. Didn't cost you a nickel more. Now you know. If, you, if there's anybody in, where was that? Crosbyton, Texas. You guys just start planting cotton. Yeah. yeah. We got cotton down here in the southwest corner of Kansas. Yeah, Ben and I stopped at, stopped at a field and looked at some. And that's, what a fascinating plant. I'm so glad I don't have to mess with it. But, man. Oh, boy. We're going to go back one more time. What are we going to do with the humix? We're going to put it under the cotton. We're going to put the biology in there that tells those bottom four nodes to act like stems, and we're going to be water efficient. Yeah. Okay. So whether it's the, whether it's the growing crop, whether it's the pasture, whether it's the zombie hay, <laughs> the more nutrition we can hang on to, off the same acre because we got the same cost in the acre. We got the same cost in the machine running across it. We got the same cost in the bale and the string. Why not have some nutrition in it? Yeah. Ben, is there anything we can, I should ask Brad uh, in regards to anything else? I mean, I'm, Basically, the humic and the fulvic is kind of the main things because that's the wildlife side. That's a huge, well, it's a huge build, potential. It's a, a huge potential building interest. And I want to get good information out there for people because someone's going to do something cheap from a mine that is not going to actually benefit you. Um, and I mean, the main thing is, is how do I attract more? How do, if, on the wildlife side, how do I attract more deer? And the cattle side, how do I make this? I mean, it's the same thing. It's really making any plant more, more digestible, more, digestible, more, more attractive to whatever animal it is you are working with, whether it's cows, deer, um, you know, sheep, 
I mean, we got, I know we have one listener that's, that raises goats and sheep. Those things, those stupid things eat anything. You turn them out on hedge trees and they just move them to the ground. But uh, anyway. Tame a goat story. Oh boy. I'm 16 years old. My dad sends me to the farm store to pick up parts. I pull in, there's a guy with a baby goat for $5 parked next to me. I wrote the check for the goat, charged the parts, and went home. <laughs> How'd that go? Uh, not real well. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, ben, you got anything to add or any other questions? That that was heavy. Yeah. That was heavy. No, not really. I'm not a big in the livestock side myself. Everybody knows my opinion on cattle. Yeah. Yeah, opinion. we talked about that. But uh no, I don't have a whole lot to add to that one. I think that covers a lot of what I... It covers way more than I understand in livestock, for sure. Yeah. If you have questions, send them in. We'll do this again sometime. Hey, great. Thank you for reminding me. Uh, we do have some questions. Let me, let's just... Who knows where this is going to go. Um, <laughs> I've heard this. this is totally unrelated to our conversation, but it's a question that's asked. So let it be. Uh, I've heard conflicting advice. Do corn and soybean foliar fungicides hurt soil health, even though we've seen a 10 to 20% yield gain on the applied acres? Fungicides above the ground don't concern me like fungicides in the fur in the furrow. Okay. Because late season my guys under the ground working for me are still doing their part. All biology is highly unionized. That says that if you need something chomped and broke down and those guys aren't there today, nobody's going to pick up the slack. I cannot afford to lose any of my biological activity in the furrow. The stuff that's up on the leaf, basically uh, I want to stop any uh, ethylene gas production. We talked about that today at the meeting. I also want to keep things healthy enough, keep the micronutrients up. Most of these diseases that show up are because we're short a micronutrient. If you get, if you're friendly enough with the man that sells you the herbicides or the guy that supplies him, most herbicides work by chelating away some of the micronutrients. Hmm. And if you'll find out which ones that herbicide chelates away, come back and add those because that's what you're going to be short of. In the plant and your plants that you're trying and to your raise. Plants that you're trying to raise. Interesting. When we first started using one of the most popular herbicides out here, we had a flash. We were Round short up? of manganese. Roundup. Oh, okay. I was going to say, maybe you you can't say, but I mean, I'm just making a suggestive suggestion. Roundup with a question mark. Because a lot of times we I can't tell you Brad's nodding his head yes or no. (laughs) Some of the newer things that we're now using on soybeans would be harder on your copper and your iron. But everything that's out there Part of what they do is interrupt the food chain. And by having incomplete proteins, we compromise the immune system, which then lets some of the plants die from a disease and not just by the chemistry. 
So when we abuse these chemistries by cutting rates too far, as we end up with a herbicide-tolerant weed, we are also going to end up with a disease-tolerant weed. Mm. And a plant that we're trying to raise that's more disease-susceptible. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Back to livestock. One another question. Uh, actually, this one's this one's wildlife, but I can see where it's going to take a livestock turn as well. How to build mass in whitetail antlers? It'd probably be the same thing for bone structure and cattle. Yeah. What do they do for old ladies? We check bone density, mm-hmm. and then we put them on calcium, typically. So the in I'm going to go back and, and tell you something that uh, my old Cherokee medicine man asked me because I told him that I thought that things like copper led to us elasticity. So we're going to go back to crops and then we're going to bring this back into livestock. We got Bing cherries that are about ready to go to market. We get a two-inch rain. If we had used a copper-based fungicide, my skin will stretch. If we hadn't, they will crack. Hmm. Same with watermelons, same with uh, table beets, same with tomatoes. They need to stretch. So I'm having this discussion with my Cherokee medicine man. He says, do you have a bathtub in your house? I said, well, yeah, I was never there without a bathtub. (laughs) My older brother is probably, you know, maybe because I got a brother 16 years older, sisters 18 and 19 years older. They were born at home. They did not have all the luxuries that I was, that I had growing up. But I said, yeah. And he says, what kind of cock you use around your bathtub? I said, silicone. He said, how come? I said, you're going to tell me because it stretches without cracking. So when we got silicon in a plant, we're going to have a healthier, more disease-resistant less breakage and those kinds of things. So I'm going to tell you that if we get more silicate, more calcium, and some of these other micronutrients in there, you're going to have a better, stronger, more prolific rack. People are probably thinking silicone is a is a evil thing. You know, yeah. why, would, why would I want to ingest or have something? So it's not silicone, it's silicate. Okay. A little bit different. Okay. To expound on that. It, it's the form. So silicate is not detrimental. Yeah. Silicone, silicone is detrimental. Is, it's hard. You're not going to get silicone in a plant. Okay. Pretty much. Okay. You but know. silicate, we're good. Silicate, you need some. Okay. Perfect. Interesting. It's kind of like Ben and I talked on previous podcasts. We need salt, but too much will kill you. Yeah. And the ones that can't have sodium end up with potassium. What? Instead of sodium chloride, they get potassium chloride. People with heart issues result to potassium chloride instead of sodium chloride. Oh. To get uh, get salt. Another one, potassium chloride is the main ingredient in lethal injection. Really? So we're just killing you slowly if you got heart problems. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my word. Well, that's 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 the ending to the zombie cow zombie hay. Um we're a lethal injection with sodium chloride? Sodium chloride. Potassium chloride. Okay. Too, a little bit's all right. Too much. 
obviously we know where that goes. Um, okay, man, that's great. Brad, thank you for answering these questions on the, the posted questions as well as going through wildlife and livestock. We'll dive into these more later on, but yeah, Ben, you got anything you want to add to that? No, I think that pretty much gets me. That's, that's, that's that gets me. <laughs> Dang, what a what a deal, Brad. Thank you. My pleasure. Awesome, guys. We appreciate you listening along. If you have any questions, give us. Hey, li- uh, rate the podcast, share it if you want. If you don't, that's okay. We love you anyway. Um, the review really helps us to get this this information out. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring useful, proven results to anybody that wants to listen, really. So here's here's nutrition in a nutshell. You help nice people make logical decisions. Yeah. Yeah. If that's not if you're not nice, we can't help you. <laughs> <laughs> that guys, thank you. <laughs>